Welcome back to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast, the motivational poster in your ear. I'm your host, Tim Alanius, VP of Strategic Initiatives at AmericanEagle.com. In this episode, we're going to be diving into project readiness, and I'm excited today to be joined by Ben Stewart, who is from Chrysalis Digital, joining us from across the pond in the UK. Ben has been working closely with membership organizations for over 20 years, spanning many sub-verticals within this sector. He has created and led the digital strategy for many organizations during this time. Most recently, he has run projects with the Institution of Structural Engineers, the British Ecological Society, and the Association of Commonwealth Universities. He's brought this wealth of experience together to launch Chrysalis Digital, which is focused on ensuring organizations have the right CRM, website, and technology platforms to grow and develop their membership, improve operations, and drive permanent efficiencies across their business. Today, we're going to be drawing upon his understanding of the unique challenges within the different organizations and how he translates business requirements into actionable steps, ensuring that technical requirements and communication requirements are all aligned, helping these membership organizations confidently embark on their digital journeys. And for a little bit of a personal note, Ben lives in New Forest with his family, and when not at work, he can be found outdoors, around the countryside on his mountain bike, fly fishing, or letting off a few rounds at the local clay chute which makes me very excited because I love local clay shoots as well. So, Ben, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Tim. So we're going to be kind of talking through project readiness, and I want to really just always start off with any type of definition for when we go into a conversational topic. So what do we mean by project readiness? For me, Tim, I think what it's really about is probably the, the first question is, you, are, are you ready as a client for this project? And what I mean by that is that, yeah, kind of web CRM projects and other systems, they are really now very transformational across the business. It's not just a case of replacing a website or replacing a CRM. There are sort of tendrils deep off web and CRM and other systems that go to the core of the business. So whenever we do a sort of a, a technical project now, we're actually doing a business project and not just a technical project. And the project readiness for me is my clients will recognize the phrase. For me, it's a bit of a sort of a herding of cats. There are so many different moving parts to these very large and, and transformational projects now. So it's about being ready for that, whether that's you know looking at your data, whether it's looking at your processes, your systems, the people, the culture within your organization, the risk management. Have you know, are you ready for it? Have you got your budgets um, sort of ready and are you ready to double them when you need to? Because it, it'll probably end up that way, depending on how you run your projects. But so for me, that is project readiness and it's about mitigating the risk further down the line. With this project readiness, I mean, there's definitely a lot of different types of projects that are out there right now, but in kind of your specific area of expertise, web and CRM projects are really the big transformational ones across businesses right now. And just looking at staff and systems, all the processes involved, data and reporting has had a huge uptick over the past several years. But then also culture comes into play. Can you talk to me a little bit more about just as you look at these different types of projects and how transformational they are across the business, how do each of those areas kind of stem into that? And is that also where I, I loved your phrase earlier of herding cats, right? Because there are so many different systems and different people and processes in place, right? The, the people, processes, and technology is always what I go back to. But what's your take on overall how these different areas, staff, systems, processes, data reporting, and culture stem into the project readiness, but also just, are you ready as a client? How do you know when to start either being transformational? It's kind of a hard one, isn't it? Because, I mean, being very candid about it, you know, 
generally speaking, staff are always quick to tell their, their managers and their bosses that, you know, the system doesn't work. I don't like it. I can't work with it. It's my day job too hard. I'm spending hours doing basic administrative processes. So the sort of traditional flags of when you need to start thinking about the project, but actually when you start digging down deep into it and from the cultural perspective, certainly and speaking to staff is that they're telling you they want a new system, but actually when it comes to gold life today, you know, do they, are they really ready for that change? Because as soon as you say, okay, well, we're going to do a new transformational project now, all of a sudden you have the obvious one of sort of, well, if, if you're going to automate everything, what about my job security? You get the other side of the camp, you know, well, I've always done things this way and, and it still sort of works. So I'm quite happy with it. Or, you know, I don't have time for all this sort of requirements gathering and extra thinking I've got to do. You know, I've got my sort of my business as usual work that I have to do. So it is a really tricky one from the cultural perspective. And and so therefore, anything cultural, you know, it has to be led from the top. You know, unless there's the project sponsor owner to drive it at the very, very top level down and prepare the, the leaders within the organisation for the effectively the change has got to come about and to sort of get the right communication channels set up with the staff because addressing all those fears and providing all the sort of the ongoing tactics for sort of risk mitigation. So the culture one, I think, is probably one of the hardest ones to get right. And it's probably, you know, it's sort of backed up, I think, from managing expectations in that the UK organisation called Memberwise, who've just completed a, a sort of a, a membership organisation survey in, in 2021. And one of the things they picked out was in the last sort of, I think when they first did the survey originally or the previous survey in 2018, you know, I think it was about 63% of all associations were going to remain with their current provider. But now in 2021, that's dropped like half down to about 30%. I think with the pandemic that we just had in the last 18 months, there's a real mismatch now between what a membership organization, a client expected from their solution provider to actually what the solution provider delivered. I don't think there's no one particular party to blame for this, but it, but it's very much a sort of a 50-50 of a membership organization maybe not realizing actually what it needs to future-proof itself for and the suppliers potentially not digging in deep enough and saying, you know, how can we future protect what we're about to build for you and how can we support you going through it? So culture and expectations is everything in these projects. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree more. And I think the other difficult aspect of culture when it comes to both project readiness, and you talked about this too, but just with that staff, right? And are they telling you want a new system and, and do they really need a new system? But then also with that risk analysis, asking the staff what they fear about a new system. And yeah. is it that automation brings concerns around job security, which can impact culture, right? Because culture really yeah. is stemmed on both sides. Both you want to create a great culture within your organization and also your culture is impacted by the change that you introduce into your organization. And I always like to go back to a phrase that I heard, I believe it was from Patrick Lencioni, who said, change is easy, transition is hard, right? And we yeah. talk about all the transformations that have happened there's a lot of change that can happen quickly, but the transformation into a whole new aspect of how you do business, of a new system, of a new process, whatever it may be, that's really that more difficult area of not only adoption, but the impact on culture. And you have to have a culture that's willing to see the benefit of some of these changes that come. And when you work with different organizations and you look at things where, you know, automation might come into play, and I think data and reporting is a great way here and, and also other processes, but when you bring automation into play, it's a time saver and that's how I always view it. And I don't look at it as a job security issue because it's not going to replace the human element in any of the 
aspects of especially the digital experience because it can't interpret the feelings and thoughts that people are going through as they experience something. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, automation for me is actually about you know, replacing those very admin heavy, repetitive, mundane tasks that are actually part of everyone's job. Let's not forget, right, you know, we need human beings to actually set up the automation. The automation can't set up itself. There still has to be a human input at the beginning to give it the intelligence to tell it what to do. But certainly from, yeah, the cultural piece of, as you rightly said, Tim, you know, getting an organization to adopt a piece of technology, the automation they should see really as an absolute sort of job benefit, you know, as opposed to a potential job security piece, because it actually removes all those sort of horrible mundane tasks that, that take up a huge amount of time. There was a a client that I work with in a different capacity when I was working at an agency, and let's say they're a, a fairly large global law society, but not the law society, but another one. And you can imagine the love affair of paper that lawyers have, um, or the love affair with paper that lawyers have. And everything until this date had been effectively run offline, paper-based. And we're going back now probably 15 years. So, you know, this is sort of early days and very, very early digital transformation. And we very slowly but surely started replacing offline tasks with um, digital tasks with, you know, some very early sort of member portals and, and early automation. And it took about, it took a good 18 months to 24 months. But by that time, probably 60, 70% of all lawyers globally within this association had bought into this. They'd come online, they'd started the automation. And what that meant from internally from the organization in particular was that where in the past they probably had sort of seven, eight, nine sort of admin staff effectively just processing papers, invoices, requests for information, et cetera, et cetera. They were now able to be far more proactive and actually service the membership and actually support them in what they're doing. They had a better understanding with, with their members. They're able to talk to them and spend more time with them. And it really you know, transform that organization into into working smarter and better with its membership. Yeah, that was a real sort of eye opener for me and probably one of the earliest projects I did. And it really kind of showed the art of the possible and what was possible from a very early point. I want to take that data and reporting piece a little bit further and actually bring up a stat from Chrysalis's digital survey in 2020, where 61% of organizations still struggle with integration, therefore poor data and poor reporting. And I think that that's just such a one, not surprising, unfortunately, um, as much as we all have heard big data for, you know, a good number of years now, I like to call it dark data. And it's we can collect everything. But what do we do with that data? Well, usually it's put in a closet, it's stored somewhere, and we never have a true analysis purpose for it immediately. So why do we collect it? That's always my challenge to clients. As we look at it, if we want data and reporting, if I need the historical, great, track it. But understand and do a measurement strategy. Understand with the integrations what your reporting is going to provide for you because there is so much wealth in that data and the value that it can bring to you in different analyses is so critical, especially when you look at just even project readiness, right? Just kind of that that main theme. But even before you implement a transformation, are you ready? Do you know that the data is signaling that you need to replace a process or a system or whatever it may be? Have you identified KPIs for those different metrics or success metrics of a transformation project? By ensuring that you identify and map those out and, and track them accurately and report on them regularly in a specific cadence, I think that helps overall. But I just want to open that up to you and just understand how that either helps with risk assessment or if it's other areas. Data is everything. And careful what I say, but, you know, the data, for me, you know, in the herding of cats, you know, the data is the fat cat in the room, you know, this 
it is so, so important. Data links everything. It links the processes, it links the system, it links people, and it provides business intelligence where it certainly can. And it's a really, really hard one, Tim, you know, because actually, you know, we're all really excited about AI and augmented reality and, and all the sort of the, the sexy stuff out there and what we can do with technology. But actually, it all comes back down to data. And I'm sorry to say that, you know, with a lot of organizations that's going through transformational projects now, and certainly ones that, you know, took part in the survey, is that they still struggle with the real basic of integrations between web and CRM or between a learning management system and CRM. And, and I think part and parcel of it is whilst they understand they have an issue with it, in terms of actually wanting to invest time, resources and money into understanding their data better, there's still a reticence that it hasn't it just takes time in this sector for, for organizations to think, yes, I've understood I've got a problem with my data, therefore I need to put some money towards it and time and resource. And I think they're getting there. And, and you know, certainly some organizations are doing really well at it, but there's, there's still a long road to go, as you said, you know, getting the sort of black data into, I guess, into a more of a sort of a white data and a, and a more sort of clear and sort of visible set. But it drives everything. And certainly there's other ways of tackling it you know the main way is to do the, the main sort of transformational piece but actually there's some really really good data reporting tools out there now and data visualization that actually you can actually still work with your disparate systems and collect data and have a central reporting view of it whether you're using click or power bi or whatever it is so that there are some sort of stop gaps until you've done that major transformational piece but data data is everything and actually as i always like to say you know you should be making you know decisions based on data not on assumptions which i can't remember who said that now but um i, I would certainly agree and take that line very much to heart i really feel that the data side of it too and the importance of it also stems from what you talked about earlier with just the project sponsor owner to drive at the top level right mm. we have to prepare the leaders yeah. both of the organizations organization, but also the one leading the project. And when you center that around data, and it's very clear that the data supports the direction, the conversations top down are so much easier to have because you have data supporting it. It's not just a initiative that comes in with, oh, well, you know, this leader wants us to tackle this system or whatever it may be. It's, hey, we've analyzed this. We see this as a need, and this is why we are pursuing this. And so not only do you have the top-down leadership aspect of owning the transformation, but now you have data backing that as well, to your point. And I think that's just so critical because when we look at it, at the end of the day, everyone will have an opinion on what process flow or what system might have the best pros for your organization. But if the data isn't there to support the need for a change, then why are we going through the effort? Are we just doing it to do it, which is never a good reason? Or are we doing it with a specific purpose of, hey, by doing this, we expect that our efficiency will increase by X or our revenue will increase by Y. All sorts of different metrics, as we mentioned earlier, come into play of once you understand what it's impacting for a leader, it might be a, a higher viewed KPI, but for the actual director or staff member who's implementing something on a regular basis, it could be an efficiency metric that they look at. So even the metrics themselves at different levels are viewed in this process very uniquely. And I think that's what we have to remember is while it's great to have a specific project objective or goal and how you measure that, there's many more at different levels based on the person who is impacted by it. 
And looking at the reporting in that sense, I've always found is a great way to, to tell that story and have the data support the story of, hey, yes, we're doing what the organization and leadership desires, and we're making a dent in that area, to use that famous Steve Jobs quote, make a dent in the universe. But with that, then, how am I making the dent on the individual in their specific needs? And I think that's one that when you look at transformation, when you look at, again, assessing through different risks, that really comes into play and, and the data just supports it so clearly. Yeah, do you know what? And one of the big things with data for me, and again, also about the technology is there's, I think for organizations, they're all on this sort of curve, on this growth curve, maturity curve, whatever you want to call it. And probably going back, I don't know, let's go back, say, 10 years when organizations were, you know, they were starting to get, you know, some fairly reasonable sort of websites together and CRM solutions and you know, some were integrated and some not. But, you know, they're very, very much at the sort of the beginning of that sort of data maturity curve or the membership engagement maturity curve, whereby they're collecting some data. They collect data from web forms or they collect data from email marketing campaigns or they collect data from membership sign-up and so on. And actually, I think what's happened is that sort of generation of web and CRM have been around a lot of the organizations I work with, I find, have had have had systems in place now for five years plus up to 10 years and sometimes longer. So they're coming into this game with really quite low data maturity. They're kind of on step one of the data maturity curve. And if you take it at step five is, you know, the likes of Amazon, then they're definitely at step one. But, you know, they have these aspirations to, you know, to move that maturity curve. And and really, they kind of almost need to sort of hop and step over level two and get to level three as quickly as possible. And, and the last 18 months, that's never more clear that it would have been nice if we could have grown slowly over the next sort of five years to go through step two and get to step three. But actually, reality is now is that everyone's expectations are heightened. And so not only have they got to, organizations got to struggle with being even more mature in their data, but the cultural piece probably the skills, the knowledge and the resources to make that transformational jump just aren't there, which is why organizations are really, really struggling to work out and actually tackle these big data problems. And it might could just come down to human psyche, Tim, that, you know, sometimes the easiest way is just to stick your head in the sand and just go, I hope it passes <laughs> by and, you know, we'll take our head out in a six months time and it'll all be fine. It will sort itself out. But um yeah, we all know it doesn't. And Ben, you make, <laughs> I, I love that, stick your head in the sand and hope it passes. I think to your point about the steps, though, last year with mm -hmm. the with the pandemic, it it really did, one, accelerate, but two, I think cause a lot of organizations to skip steps, which is never good yeah, yeah. because I felt that a lot of those organizations then uh, that were fortunate <coughs> enough to survive through last year and all the changes and everything either put new measures in place or new systems in place or processes. And the beginning half of, of 2021 here, the reality kind of sunk in of, oh gosh, we implemented that. We had to do it in a very accelerated pace to survive as a business with all the different issues that the shutdowns caused. And now it's really going back and doing that risk assessment. And how does that now move us forward for, was this the right one to put in place? Use data to confirm that. But I just did this with a, a client the other day and, and got some numbers back this morning. And if you just compare your organization to last year's numbers, which is a very common in analytical analysis, it's not accurate. It's accurate for what last year was, but it's not accurate as far as the typical trajectory of a business and the analytics that you're collecting. And I always stress to go back and look at 2019 as much as you look at 2020, because that performance and what you could do with a little bit of 
forecasting and a slight algorithm work, you can actually see where your normal trajectory would have taken you and kind of have a little bit of an anecdotal note about what 2020 really did to your organization. And I think that's just so important to look at as you analyze things for that risk assessment, because the risk was, yeah, if this happens again, what do we do? But if we didn't have 2020 happen, what would have our trajectory have been? Are we on track for that? Or if you're a business that is much more in the digital space, were you able to succeed well? And now you might have to grow because you've outgrown a system more so last year. So with all that, that kind of brings me to just the budgets, right? All this tech and the integrations that happen, all the data that we're talking about, training and, and reskilling overall, if you do change systems or processes internally, how do you get realistic with budgets? How do you talk through that? Yeah, now, now you're clutching at sand in the wind, aren't you? It's a really, really tough one. I think really it's such a huge number to try and get your head around and you've got the tech you've got integration you've got data content you've got training reskilling then there's the actually allowing a chunk of time to actually do the risk and change management piece properly not to mention internal resources and and the amount of sort of time it takes up of staff but then you've got all the new pieces of the puzzles and certainly with the organizations we work with they're always saying to me you know what type of skills do we need and i said we you have to have a sort of a crm data stroke manager and and you have to have someone that can then really take control of your digital content and, and start to bring that together and, and push out across multiple channels. So the only really way of doing it, Tim, is to breaking it down into its constituents parts and but actually understanding what those constituent parts are. And again, I think you know, some of the surveys or responses that came in from, you know, I use the memberwise survey again. Their banding figure rounds are sort of five to ten percent of annual turnover for some of these big, bigger transformational projects. And looking at some of the projects I've done in the past, that's probably not far off in terms of you know what some organisations are spending. In a way, that's quite often really a sort of a first-year implementation cost, the real cost of the projects, and actually what deems success of the project is then the ongoing annual investment into that program. And that's the other corny phrase I've used quite a lot is, is a website is for life, not just for Christmas. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we used to bound that around, you know, probably 10 or 15 years ago now, but it's ever more true now. And, and typically, you know, most transformational projects will have anything from an additional 10% to 25% of year one implementation as an ongoing in terms of adding new functionality new phases, integrating new products, whatever it may be. So I think really you just have to sit down and break every part into its constituent components and cost everyone individually. And then when you think you've got to that final number, yeah, maybe double it. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. that's it, 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 I loved your phrase. It's like clutching at sand in the wind. Um, I might have to just uh, use that one again and, and just give a head nod over to you. But completely agree. There's so much that goes into play there. And I think the biggest thing is the approach and mindset, right? Yeah. When you do have a clear understanding that you've gone through, you looked at your project readiness, the need for a transformation, for the risks associated with it, what that entails, right? Because a transformation may not require a huge level of training or reskilling. It might be focused on tech and integration, where it's really providing other areas that your business has in place with either a richer data set or a more efficient means of things. So really, you do have to go through the process to understand the true impact with it. As we look to just kind of talk through both the application of digital transformation in the present, right? Lots of needs for it in the past. In the present, it's really, from what I've heard you talk through today, being flexible, 
uh, learning to compromise come to mind of just ways that organizations and individuals in the organization need to have a mindset of flexibility and learning that there is never a perfect system out there. And what other aspects of an approach or mindset to this should we look at when we apply this in present day situations? The other phrase I quite like is being comfortable with being uncomfortable, because actually the great thing about digital and technology that is out there now, and, and actually it was something that, you know, I was speaking to both prospective and existing clients with during a pandemic is that, you know, don't be afraid to just try stuff. The way that the tools are set up now and the technology that's out there, it's really, really easy just to pick up a free trial and, and try a bit of technology. And does it support a process? Could it dovetail with the process? And so it's all about this sort of trial and error, working out the quick wins on any project. These are really, really long-term transformational projects. You know, they're, they're not going to happen overnight. And, and I think if you have that expectation that you're going to gather some requirements, you're going to run a tender process, you're going to pick your new supplier, and then 12 months down the line, everything will be hunky-dory. It's just not going to be that. You know, this is, you know, without sounding too despondent about it, it, it is a long road, and it's a road you have to invest in. But actually, it can be a really, really enjoyable journey, and it can be a massive driver of positivity across an organization. As you absolutely rightly said, you know, being flexible and learning to compromise and that actually, while something might have been the right way to do something yesterday, just because it was yesterday doesn't mean it's right for tomorrow. It's really about communicating that. And, and you know, coming back to your point about the change management, for us, it, it is all about communication. All through this journey, there's going to be some really tough decisions that have to be taken. And you know, not all the team are going to be happy. We can't, we can't appease everyone. So it's critical about how that is communicated, how is it communicated and, and filtered from the top down that everyone buys into it and everyone stands it and that all sort of team members, staff members, employees are sort of brought along in the journey. And certainly with all the projects that we run here is that you know, where possible, we always try and include as many staff as possible from the, from the very, very beginning. And, you know, and we, we take time to explain the art of the possible and, and, and try and manage their expectations of actually, well, you might want to be running sort of simulated events tomorrow, but could it not wait till next week? Why do we have to do it tomorrow and try and put a sort of a timeline and a digital roadmap together? So, yeah, it, it is. Yeah, we come back to almost one of your first points, Tim. It is a cultural piece and it's it's a people piece. It's about bringing staff, employees, team members, members with you along that journey. And it's not something that's fixed overnight. It, it is a journey, but it can be a really, really enjoyable one if done correctly. Absolutely. And I think that's just a great way to summarize, right, the approach that needs to be taken and the mindset to have. Ben, it's it's been a pleasure talking with you today. I thank you for your insights into just project readiness, risk management, especially with the challenging aspect of today when there are so many thousands of different marketing technology solutions out there, technical solutions, and all the different aspects of where organizations both have data but also have people using them on a daily basis and how we have to report on all of those overall. Uh, but I just really appreciate the conversation and uh, having you on the show today. Uh, any final parting words of wisdom for our listeners? It's been really enjoyable. And it's been a great conversation. And, and I think one final parting word of wisdom is for me, you know, whilst we're talking about, you know, we're talking about content management systems and CRM systems and learning management platforms and email marketing platforms, et cetera, et cetera. When you're going into these types of projects, don't worry about the tech. Tech, and again, we've all heard it, but yeah, the technology really is enabled. What what has to be focused on is your business processes. It's about your staff and it is about your data. 
the systems and the tech and the integration can all work. There's some absolutely superb suppliers out there in this sector, and they do wonders for some of their clients. But actually, as an organization, you really don't need to be worrying about the tech. Just focus on ensuring that your business processes are really honed down and are really locked tight. And then when you come to do your supplier selection, it's about balancing whether it's, this is going to be sort of a customer-led project or whether it's going to be um, a technology-led product, i.e., are we able to compromise on some of the processes that we've written down? If not, then expect to raise your budget. But yeah, just don't focus on the tech, focus on the process and the people. It's perfect because it really lets us end the show well by thanking everyone for tuning into the future by listening to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast. For more information about the topics discussed today, check out the description of this episode, reach out to us on social media channels. And if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to or follow this podcast wherever you listen to them. Stay up to date with us with regular show postings. While you're at it, if you can, give us a rating and share this podcast with others to prepare them for the future. This episode was produced by Ree Williams, edited by Demita Menez, and is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. I'm your host, Tim Melanius, and I'll catch you in the next lesson.